ओम वक्रतुंड महाकाय सूर्यकोटी समप्रभा निर्विघ्न कुर मे देव सर्वकारेशु सर्वदा श्री गणेशाय नम ओके वेलकम टू डेली सत्संग वी आर कंटिन्यूइंग आवर कॉन्टेम्पलेशन ऑन द गुरु स्त्रोत्रम एंड दिस इज द थर्ड वर्स दैट वी आर लुकिंग एट गुरुर्ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णु गुरुर्देव महेश्वर गुरुदेव परम ब्रह्म तस्म श्री गुरव नम एंड वी हैव बिन एग्जामिंग दि फोर्थ नेम एंड वी हैव कंक्लूडेड दैट एज ऑफ यस्टरडे टुडे वी विल मूव इन टू दि फिफ्थ वन एंड दैट इज दिस इज द फिफ्थ नेम फ्रॉम विष्णु सहस्रनाम भूतकृद्रूत भूतकृद विच मीन्स द क्रिएटर एंड डिस्ट्रॉयर of all existence in the universe so again that is an intimation of this creation sustenance and destruction cycle you know uh this cycle that we that we are we are in of creation sustenance and destruction is occurring by brahma vishnu shiv they are the ishwaras that actually control that cycle they they are in charge of that whole process and if you look at the sixth name there bhuta brid one who supports and sustains and governs the universe so that's the sustaining capacity so there's the creation and the destruction capacity capacity that is brahma and shiva and then there is vishnu who is of course sustaining so you can see the oneness of all three of them in in the fifth name now what is so special about this you know why why is this relevant it's because when we are recognizing that there is a creation and there is a destruction of all of the existence the realization behind that is to be able to live in this world this as a sixth name says bhuta brit one who supports and sustains and governs the universe that's the that's his that's the power of bhagwan vishnu one who is able to recognize that sustaining and supporting capacity and at the same time rec- there is a great recognition of the total transitoriness the temporariness as we have said again and again that and this is the big, very difficult thing to realize because inside our system there is something called jiji visha that means the desire to sustain one's life that it's programmed inside the brain that's where fear comes from fight flight response and all these things come from there there's a desire desire to sustain oneself in this world it, it is a it is a desire to protect the body to maintain the body to maintain one's existence if those mechanisms were not in the brain we would not be able to survive in this in this material world so when we examine the nature of the material world what do we find that one species survival is dependent on another species destruction even if you're totally vegetarian you have to eat something that is alive you know there's no way to eat something that is not alive so something has to be killed or destroyed for one to survive yeah and then there is this entire game of survival survival of the fittest the darwinian theories etc all of that is implied in here that the supporting sustenance of the universe that when the jivatma gets transferred inside the brahmand 
But then that jivatma is in massive trouble at that point because you're tr- because it is a jail. The Brahman is a prison. Remember, it's, it's a prison of the three gunas of Maya. So one survival is dependent on somebody else's pain, suffering, destruction, damage, all that. What do we see in the world today? If, even if you go to a grocery store, what do we find? We go to grocery because of hunger. If there is, if there, because we are hungry, we have to go. Uh, um, go and buy something. So somebody else's sustenance is based on somebody else's hunger. It's always like that. It's almost in every situation it's like that. That there's a deficiency that need that is removed by somebody else. <clears throat> and that is how this Brahman is created. So the level of bondage in the Brahman is beyond description. It is a bondage at every level, in every way. That is why mukti is nearly impossible, next to impossible, unless one takes hold of complete one's power and directly applies it to Paramatma completely. Otherwise, the bondages come in millions of different ways. So that is what is implied here, that the creation, destruction, and the sustenance in the names, fifth and sixth names, these are continuing in cycles, in cosmic cycles. So the Mahamaya is so intense that it is next to impossible to escape that. The only way to escape that is to completely surrender at the feet of God. You know, the maam prapadente maya metam tarantite. And then the body will also go. So body, mind, everything will go, but the jivatma will, will, will get mukti, will be out of this <coughs> out of this, this cycle. <clears throat> because it is a very, very uh um, binding and very painful process from childbirth, from pregnancy to childbirth, you know, from the, ch- the jivatma getting a physical body, having to relearn everything again in the, in the, in the child avastha, in the, in the yovan avastha, vruddha avastha, the whole cycle continues. And then the attachments, the jivatma builds so many attachments all the way around. The jivatma is master, has PhD degrees in building attachments. So it builds all these attachments because of icha, causal body. And then it gets trapped inside those attachments. And because, you see, this is described, person spends half of their life building attachments, the rest of the half of their life untangling those attachments. That is life, human life. Look at anybody's life. This is what you will see. There is a whole process of building all these these. Uh, 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 um, interactions with the people and with with everything else in the world because because we're in the world we don't know any anything else so then and then the rest of the life is spent un, uh, unentangling all of that so the adhatmic realization if it's from the childhood that all of this is temporary and all that one would never get attached to this sansad one would remain very much secluded very limited amount of interaction get education whatever remain by themselves and never be attached to anybody at all there are devotees like that like uh, there have been child devotees that are described inside the scriptures and there are those even today there are some because they have that realization of not getting stuck inside this sansar. Um, but that doesn't happen for most people, obviously. And that, so that is why satsanga is so rele- important from the beginning, because each person who is born here is going to be afflicted by the causal body. And that causal body and its expression is allowed by Bhagwan Vishnu, Bhagwan Vishnu puts all of those, all of the creative powers and sustaining powers within, within the universe. You know, in in uh, in terms of in terms of uh, mul prakriti, 
and allows that jivatma to experience repeatedly the sansar. It's a repeated experience of different, different varieties, different types, again and again and again and again. And it is all destroyed. You know, these bodies are destroyed, the sansara is destroyed. But while we are here, we have a duty to sustain our life to whatever extent we can. Because if we don't sustain, if we don't have food, water, clothing, shelter, we don't have healthy relationships, because we're interdependent. You know, we cannot simply sit in the sun and, and just gain food, water, clothing, shelter. It doesn't work that way. So we are dependent on others, which is another bondage. And, and see, this is another reason why people are looking for financial security and all that. Because they don't want to be dependent on anybody. But why do you think people buy lotteries? They don't want the clutches of the of bondage. Why do you think people want, want all kinds of freedom? They don't want limitation or bondage. So inside the heart of every human being is a desire to be completely free of all the bondages. But the, the, but the reason one is in this world is because of the bondages, because of the causal body, because you want something from this world. You know, but, but, but when that evolution occurs where we only want God, that's very difficult. How does that happen? But you know, to only want God, Paramatma, and while still living in the world in some limited way and leave everything else aside, it is a, it is a scary thought. It is a scary thought. How is that possible? You see? But it is possible if one recognizes that, that the purpose of life, the ultimate and only purpose of life is God-realization. Otherwise, everything else will come and go. The poor may become rich and the rich may become poor. The healthy may become sick and the sick may become healthy. All of these changes happen as long as one is alive. But, when, but before the ending of the physical body, the Atma Tattva that is eternal needs to be liberated from the cycle of birth and death. Now here's another problem with all of this. In Vivek Chudamani, Adi Shankaracharyaji has you know, created that scripture, Vivek Chudamani. And there's a, it's, a, it's a discussion between the Guru and the Shishya, which he has placed artificially like that, created. There wasn't any particular Guru like that or anything. He just created a dialogue like that. So like almost like three-fourths of the way in that, in that, dis, in that entire uh, exposition, the Shishya, the disciple, is asking the Guru if the Maya is beginningless that there is no beginning point to Maya and there was no beginning point when the Jivatma came into Maya. If that's the case, how can there be any end to it? And it's a good question. And I hope that question is clear. Because when we think about this, this Bhutakrit and Bhutabhridaha, these two names, five and six, it is referring to this creation and this destruction cycles and the Vishnu Bhagavan's sustaining capacity in between those cycles. So if the Maya is infinite and the Jivatma goes through these cycles again and again, again and again, for, and according to Advaita Vedanta also, in, in addition to other, other approaches, the <clears throat> entrapment in Maya is beginning less. Anadi. What does that mean? That means that there was never a time when the Jivatma came into Maya. And it also doesn't mean that the Paramatma has become the Jiva and has gotten trapped into Maya. That is also not the case. So Jivatma is different from Paramatma in that sense. Paramatma or God is always beyond Maya. And who we are have always been within Maya. Well, if that's the case, that would mean, if we, when we think about infinite time, Everything has been tried. Even satsang has been tried, sadhana has been tried, gurus have been there, we may have become gurus, we have become shishyas, we may have become all kinds of things. 
maybe even Sadhgurus and A to Z, still we are not liberated out of Maya. How can that be? But if you think logically, if there is infinite time that the Jivatma is in Maya, infinite times Brahmans have been created and destroyed, that means, when you think about infinity, everything has been tried already. This is the question that is in Vivek Chudamani. It's one heck of a question. And nobody has a good answer to this question. I can guarantee you, nobody has ever answered, not in any scripture. The only answer that is actually given is that this is, this is a wrong question. Nobody likes this question. No, not Swami Vivekananda, not Ramakrishna Paramahansa, not Bhagwan Swami Narayan, not, not Vishnu Sahasranam, not any guru. Nobody likes this question. Because what they say, this question is also coming out of your buddhi which is in Maya. So as a result of that, you cannot find an answer to this question intellectually. The answer to the question comes from recognizing the nature of Maya and worshipping God so the Maya dissolves and disappears naturally. So that the ignorance disappears naturally. When that happens, in Vachanamurut Sajanan Swami has stated that you will experience that you were never in Maya. Something intermediate came. That's not really who you are. You were never actually in it. That's the mystery. That's the mysticism behind it. You know, so there is a profound mystical and metaphysical truth in, in all of these nine names. They're all together. They're not separate from each other. You know, because the seventh one is Bhava, pure existence. That is referring to the Atma. So by the, by the time you get to the seventh one, what is it talking about? That your pure existence is the Atma and the Paramatma. That existence is there. But the existence of the material world is not pure, it is impure, it is contaminated by the three gunas of Maya. It's a contamination. And because it is contaminated, the Jivatma suffers inside there because the Jivatma doesn't know any better. The Jivatma doesn't know how to transform Sattvagun, Rajogun, Tamogun, how to transform the energy funneled into there back into the Atma. That is the technology of the Sanatana Dharma and all the scriptures. It is the transformation of the energy within the three gunas back into the Atma Tattva. So the three avastas, Jagrat Avastha, Sapna, Shushupti, which is our experience, we experience these three, and there's quite a bit of bio-neurological research and scientific understanding of the waking state and dream state. It's not a full understanding, but there's quite a bit of it. The deep sleep state is, uh, is also is understood neurologically. Nonetheless, the fact of the matter is there is someone, something experiencing those three states. That is what the seventh name is, Bhava. It means in this, the way this translated pure existence, Bhava can also mean emotional Bhava. That's another meaning. So the existence of the Atma Tattva, the realization that that is joy, Anandam, and the three gunas of Maya are entrapping that Jivatma, or, or, or it's trapping the Atma as a Jivatma. It's not a freed Atma, it's a bound Atma. So the bound Atma in Vedanta is called Jiva. It's a peculiar entity. It's an interesting phenomena itself. 
Where this jiva came from, no answer to this question. Nobody. Every Acharya said is anadi, beginningless. That you, who you are, as the Satchidan and the spark, is infinite and is beginningless, but eternally within Maya, from the past, anadi. Time immemorial, not adi. Adi means there's a beginning. Anadi means there's no beginning. That requires itself so much meditation. But wait a minute. I have been within the realm of Maya from immemorial time? So Shankaracharya's answer to the Shishya in the Vivek Chudamani, he says that even though it is beginningless, even though the jiva has been within the Mahamaya from infinite time, even though the cycles of creation and destruction of the universe through Brahma, Vishnu, Shiv keep going on, keep going on, even though that is true, that does not mean you cannot, that does not mean that the transcendence of Maya cannot happen. In other, in other words, one can go outside the clutches of Maya, or, or let's put it this way, one can be released from the clutches of Maya. The release from the clutches of Maya is the whole game. That's the one thing that has never been done. Everything has been done. We have become kings, we have become Indra, we have become Brahma, we have become, uh, we have become Arun, Varun, we have become Devatas, we have become human beings, we have become Chakravarti Rajas, we have become ants, we have become mosquitoes, we have become frogs, we have become everything you can think about in the 14 Lokas we have become. We have gone through hell, we have gone through heaven, we have gone through... What is not done? That's the question. The thing that is not done is the total and full giving of, of one's bhav, energy, bhakti, devotion, 100% at the feet of God. That is not done. That's the only thing that is not done. In Vachanamrutam, Sajanan Swami said, Dharma, Gnan, Vairagya as a foundation and with that, Asadharan Bhakti, which means great devotion towards God. These four, once you have them combined together, that takes you out of Maya. Not as a sadhana, by the grace of God. God is only seeing, you really want me or you want this maya? What do you want? You want the three gunas of maya? You can have them. You can be, you can stay in that three gunas of maya and, and enjoy and suffer. Sukh or dukh, dwanda. Swarga loka is a lot of anand. Sukh, naraka loka is tremendous dukh. This madhyam loka we have, this murti loka is a mixture of both. And we just revolve back and forth. And, it, and nobody even knows the, how the, the force of Maya is so intense. Even if the bones of our past lives were in front of us, we would not recognize them. This Gunatitanand Swami has stated. So if we really hold on, if Sachin is speaking for himself only, if Sachin holds on to these truths internally and accepts them that this is the case by Mananchintan scriptural reading teachings of the Sadgurus, because those sadgurus, you know, the enlightened sages, they're actually beyond maya. But they come here to awaken the jiva and they go back. They, they make sure they don't get trapped in here. You know, it, it, it's like this. It's like a person who goes into the prison to help the prisoners, but, make sh- but that person makes sure they have that badge, you know, and, the, and, and, that, and that key or whatever, so they can get out of the prison. They can help the people in there to eventually get out. But they don't want to go in the prison and get trapped in the prison. That can happen. That's why the gurus are very careful, the enlightened sages. If they come into this Brahmand, they are very, very cautious. They come with that spiritual wisdom to never get caught over here. 
Otherwise, they can get caught with the cycle of life and, de- life and death with the people that they're trying to help. That's a very dangerous thing. You know, and I've had to deal with that difficulty myself over the years. You know, that oh, should we help this person, help that person do this, but to watch out for attachments. You get attached to anybody you're trying to help, you get attached to their ignorance and they can drag you into the cycle of birth and death. So it doesn't mean we don't help people. We help everybody, karuna, but not daya. Daya is where you're attached to the person. Karuna is a unentangled, non-attached love and compassion towards others. If we get into daya, you wind up getting into the cycle of birth and death, guaranteed. 100% that will happen. And if, you, and if you get into karuna, like Bhagwan Ram, Bhagwan Ram has karuna for everybody. Bhagwan Krishna has karuna. The great sages have karuna. They don't have daya. Sometimes people misunderstand these two things. We have daya in the human human frame. We see a homeless person, a suffering person. <clears throat> we feel so much uh, so much agitation inside, and then and then we want to do something for that person. Yes, that is daya. Yes, do something for that person, but do it with karuna, not daya. <clears throat> so how is that to be done? That is done where a person does not get attached to the pain, suffering, the personality, the form of that individual at all. Does not hold that inside the mind. Eternally remains free. Like a swayam jyoti. The atma tattva is swayam jyoti. Once you are resonating with the atma tattva, you don't get attached to anybody's form. And that is the biggest trap. The naam, rup, akar. Once you get attached to somebody's form, those forms remain inside and they become the cause of life and death. Vachanamrutam in Panchala section, Maharaj has stated that very clearly. And that's just a reference I'm giving you. We can go from our own experience on this. So the, so the forms to keep in the mind, functionally, yes. Apart from that, keep the forms of God in mind. That's the beauty of the Sanatana Dharma. We go to Hindu temple, we have so many beautiful images. Why not keep them in the mind? Why not have a relationship with Sri Ganesha, Kartik Swami, the, the Shivling, Bhagwan Shiv, uh, Devi Parvati, Mahalakshmi, Sri Krishna Bhagwan, Sri Ram Bhagwan? Why not have a relationship with them? Why not keep their forms in the mind? Why keep anybody else's form in the mind? What, what good will come out of keeping anybody else's form? Is it Kalyan Hoga? No, it will cause rebirth. Guaranteed. I'll give you, Sachin gives guarantee it will cause rebirth. You, anybody keeps any form in the mind other than the form of the Paramatma, Nirgun Paramatma, meaning the, meaning the Sagun is there, Sakar's form, and then which is beyond Maya. If we keep any other form in the mind as an attachment, that will cause rebirth back into the Sansar. That is why to be on guard. In Gujarati language, it is called Janpunu. Janpunu means constant awareness. To be constantly on guard, not to get attached to anybody. Love all. Attached to none. Compassion for all. Karuna Sindhu for all. That is the evolved state. Can we evolve into such a state? Yes. It requires courage. Tremendous courage. It requires a type of courage where one is absorbed in divine contemplation, mananchintan, continuous satsang is required of the great sages, then the mind begins to evolve. And as it begins to evolve, it begins to see the light of the truth. That's what Shankaracharyaji is saying. He says that the light of the satyam, anantam, brahma, that light of God, paramatma, the atma, 
that begins to reveal itself. And once it begins to reveal itself, God protects the devotee in every possible way. Yoga Kshema Vaham Vyam protects the devotee from all kinds of afflictions of the sense of the sansar. <clears throat> the people in the sansar are within the three gunas, mostly Rajoguna in this in this sansar. That's it. You know, so by having contact with them and getting attached to their thought patterns, how can we get uplifted? No. We interact with them, wish well for them, functionally interact with them all, leave them alone. Don't keep them in the mind. Keep Paramatma inside the mind. So that, that is also implied in number in names 5 and 6, that the creation and dis- destruction of all existence, we recognize that things are created and destroyed. Why be, why be t- t- stuck with any of them? So when the mind actually evolves out of the names and forms of the people, places and things of this world, while interacting with them in a limited way, that is a dimensional jump. It is a massive jump of the mind into a much greater evolution. It is not your ordinary limited mind. That is the mouse. The mouse then becomes the Ganesha. This is the idea. There is such an evolution. Is it possible? Yes. How many people have gotten to it? Very, very few. In the whole history of humanity, even the Bhagavad Gita has given this kind of gradation. Out of millions of people, one might attempt to realize this. Out of those who attempt, one might make some progress. Out of millions of who have made some progress, one of those is going to have some siddhi. Out of all of the siddhas, only one will actually realize the Atma. That is how rare it is. But something which is so rare can become easily accessible to us if we directly jump into enlightenment. If we, if we choose to jump into enlightenment, then that is a backdoor. Otherwise, the sequential process, it is, a, it is nearly endless. Bahunam janmanamante gyanavanam prapadyate vasudeva saromiti samahatma sudurlava. Sri Krishna says, after the end of millions of lifetimes. So is that what we want? Millions of lifetimes? We want to finish this, this lifetime. That's the whole point. There is always a back door. That back door is to proclaim one's enlightenment, to stay in one's enlightenment, and to get absorbed in satsang day and night. And in that way, the mind becomes to evolve, gets evolved. It, it, it unclutters, it, it throws out the trash of the sansar from the mind. Because all of the names and forms and everything else that is stashed inside our head with the attachments, that is a massive blockage. And that blockage can be removed doesn't mean we break relationships with people. It doesn't mean we don't live in the world. We do everything. But we live as a liberated being, as a lotus flower. Start with the feeling that I am the lotus flower. Start with the, with the, with the intense belief that I am the Atma, Atmanishta. Start with the intense faith that God is with me all the time. And that everybody we see here is a bubble. Every tree, every mountain, every form, every human being, every animal is a bubble that's going to come and go. Why be stuck with it? There's no dvesha. There's no dislike towards it. There is a piercing vision of its transitoriness and the non-attachment to it with karuna. If you just have non-attachment, then that can become egotistical. Look how non-attached I am. There's no, there's no compassion. There's no karuna. No. It is divine emotion with divine vision, with divine action that is unbounded. Then, and if, if Sachin here is talking, decides right now that this is, this is who I am. 
I just decide this is who I am. That's it. And then with that, all action is done. Then, then one's absorption in contemplation on the divine becomes very, very poignant. It becomes very focused. It becomes wonderful. Then even, and it's not just the divine, it's any subject, medical sciences, psychology, anything, anything you want to study in the world of music, it becomes so beautiful for us. Then, then life really begins. Until then, there's only clutter. There is only bondage. There is only the b- loss of energy, back and forth loss of energy. There is only the, the, the distortion of the mind that one is li- living through. But if, if one chooses, no. Nijatmanam brahmarupam dehatraya vilakshanam shikshapatri, shlok number 116. If one chooses, and one has to choose, God cannot make us choose, no guru can make us choose this. If Sachin is talking right now, only for Sachin, not for anybody else. If anybody else understands, it's fine. If they don't, that's fine also. I have to understand this. Otherwise, and if, I don't, if I'm not even trying to understand this, I don't have any right to talk about this. This is the point. So this is the understanding that nobody is ours and everybody is ours. Vasudeva Kutumbakam. But functionally, yes, we have family, we have duties to do. We do them as easily, as quickly as possible. Leave them aside. Millions of families have come and gone. Jivatma has had millions of parents back and forth. This is, a very, this is the level of psycho-spiritual technology that is in our scriptures. And I use the word technology deliberately because it is a technology. It is a science of the inner mind and, and the wisdom, the metaphysical wisdom that comes. Otherwise, what do we see in the world? We see only bondage sustaining itself. One person is bound to another. One, the bondage doesn't end. It's a struggle for position, power, the struggle for name. Small, small things people are running after with so much intensity as if that's the whole and soul of life. And we have to live with all these people. So the question still becomes how to live with everybody in the sansar without getting ensnared by them. Well, just as a spider spins the web, the sansar is like a web. Spider navigates the web but doesn't get caught in the web. Similarly, the sansar is a web. The wisdom to navigate through the web carefully without inner disturbance and remain free. That is the biggest teaching from the spider. The spider becomes a sadguru for us. We don't realize that. Has anybody ever thought about a spider as a sadguru? Think about that. But it's true. Have you ever seen a spider get tangled up in the web? Maybe there's some kind of a storm or something that might happen that might bind, but it, it'll come out of it. You know, so the spider doesn't get tangled up in the web. The spider is able to intelligently navigate the web, take what it needs and then move on. This sansar is a web. Bhagavad Gita, all these things are from the scriptures. Sachin isn't saying any of this. It's in the scriptures. Sri Krishna says that the entire universe, multiple universes, are like these different pearls strung together. And I am that, that interconnected string that holds it all together. I, I don't remember the exact verse right now. Mani Sutra, or there's something like that. About the sutra. that I am the sutra. I am the string that holds all the universes together. Wow. Tremendous. You know, so once, once our vision and moves into Brahmachintan, in the, in the scriptures of the Sanatana Dharma, there's nothing like that. Absolutely nothing. All psychology texts and all these things are absolutely mild compared. They're not even at the 1% level of the Bhagavad Gita.
And I've been studying them for the last 30 years. And I, have, I can show them to you also. And if you go through them, they don't even compare to one verse of the Bhagavad Gita. Not to mention Vishnu Sahasranam and all. It's a different level altogether. It's spoken from the transcendental reality. Right. So anyway, so these are some thoughts for today. We will stop here and we will continue with uh, the, the 7, 8 and 9 in the next couple of days. But remember, just to wrap this up very quickly, just one more point. That the, the fifth name and the sixth name are teaching us that we can live in this world peacefully, mindfully, carefully. But it's also teaching us to be completely free so we can move into the pure existence, which is the seventh name. That is the idea. And it's very hard. It's, it seems very hard because we are so cluttered with that. But once we begin to unclutter, then that wisdom is not a matter of telling people, oh, look how free I am and all that. No, no, no. The wisdom shines. You don't need to tell anybody. It, and it's not something that is to be told to somebody else also, unless they ask the question, unless they're interested in Brahma Vidya, because one has to maintain that oneself with a limited number of people who are interested in that. Otherwise, most of the people are only stuck in Rajogun, Rajogun, Tamogun, and, and they, are, they are suffering because of that. And once the suffering gets to an extreme level, they want to find a way out. And some of those people get, get then literally kicked into the spiritual path. This is even Swami Chinman explained that one gets kicked into the spiritual path. <laughs> you know, so these are some interesting things. These are my thoughts for today. We will continue tomorrow at 10 o'clock. All right, so we'll stop here.